Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. It's great to see you, great to see you. We are into the second week of this Summer Jam series. You know, it's the time when you can wind the window down and uh, make your way out and enjoy the warm air and enjoy music blasting out from your car to disturb the neighbours and everyone that you drive past. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. Now, um, uh, August has, has seen some absolute classic hits um, uh, that people will have loved. And so if you were in your Ford Anglia in the 1960s, well... This song would have been sung. Who were the artists? What was the song and what was the year? When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. What was the song? Help. help. What was the band? Beatles. What was the year? 66. 60. <laughs> yeah, 1965. Okay, right, that's fine. We will go on. I've got chills and they're multiplying. Losing control. So, who, who was the artist? John Travolta. John Travolta. Grace. Well, it's kind of Olivia Newton-John as the other um, uh, other person. Okay, the song was called Grease Light. No, it's not. <laughs> You're the one that I want. That's right. Absolutely. And the year? Oh, someone didn't get it right. It was 78. <laughs> In between the two of you. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Get into the groove. Boy, you've got to prove your love for me. Madonna, yes. The song was? Get into the groove. Get into the groove. Yes. <laughs> Very good. And the year? 83, 84. It's 85. Bad luck. Okay. If you could get those one year out t-shirts, it would be good. I'd be giving them all away, wouldn't I? Okay. How about this one? Just look into my eyes and you will see what you mean to me. <laughs> Brian Adams. Very good. And the song? Everything I do, I do it for you. Yes. And the year? Oh, no, 92. Sorry. Good try, good job. Someone got it at the back there. Someone's very excited. Well done. That's really good. Uh, Okay, then, um, how about this? This is moving forward now, then. I've got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. Who was it? Black Eyed Peas? The song? I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling, yes. They're in there. It's helpful, isn't it? Anyone know the year? 2009, absolutely right, Alex. Well done. That is very good. And then this next one. Okay, are you ready? I love it when you call me senorita. I wish I could pretend I didn't need ya. But every touch is ooh la la. Anyone know what this song is? Shawn Mendes, absolutely, yes. Does anyone know what the song is called? Senorita. And what was the year? 2019 is number one at the moment. Most of you are going, I've never heard of that one. Okay, well, there we go. There we go. So, they're the summer hits that have taken place over the last kind of 50, 55 years. In this series, what we are doing is we are looking at some different tracks um, that we, which you find in the pages of the Bible. And it's really easy to forget that the Bible isn't one book. The Bible is, in fact, a collection of 66 books. And when it was being put together, bang slap in the middle of, the, of this collection of books is a, is 
a, a series of songs. It's the top 150 songs. They are known as the Psalms, but that's basically what they are. They were the songs of the day. Many of you will remember um, when the iPhone first came out, um, the old kind of Apple slogan that says, whatever situation that you find yourself in, there's an app for that. Well, when it comes to the Psalms, when it comes to our experiences in life and our emotions, you could just swap the word app for song because there is a song or a psalm for that. In fact, you will find some of the lyrics of the songs that you find in the center of the Bible, well, you would be surprised that you find them in the Bible because they are so raw as people express their emotions through song. And today I want us to look at a psalm which was written by a man called King David. If, um, even if you haven't grown up going to church, you would have probably heard of David and Goliath. Well, this is the David of that duo that, uh, that fought. And um, he is writing into a situation which is not an easy situation. In fact, it's, it's a song where his circumstances have hit rock bottom. And you may be in a good place right now, and if so, if you've got the summer vibe and life is good, then fantastic, uh, enjoy it, but listen up. And you might be someone who's coming out of a very difficult situation and kind of at last life is picking up. Well, once again, I celebrate with you But listen up, because also some of you are facing a blooming hard time at the moment. And this psalm will speak into your situation. So listen up. Listen to what this song has to say to us all. This psalm has to be the most well-known psalm. um, uh, And it was written, as I said, by this guy called David. And I'm just going to read you the whole psalm because it's quite a short song. Okay, it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, chances are you've heard that psalm before. Perhaps as a child, if you went to Sunday school, or if you've been to a funeral, more often than not, that psalm is either read or it's sung as part of the service. And initially, it depicts this beautiful um, picture of lovely, lush meadows and it being quiet and still and peaceful, and there's this river that's running by. It paints this glorious picture And then it's almost as if something happens halfway through. And if we just focus on the fourth verse for the moment. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or as some versions uh, that you uh, might well have heard, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. There's actually a canyon in Israel that is called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. 
of death. I'm sure David would have been through that valley several times. And some of the canyons that you get in Israel are incredibly narrow at the bottom and have incredibly steep sides. Some of them go up to about 800 feet. And so when you're in one of those valleys in the bottom of the canyon, basically it would only be around midday that you would ever get to see the sun because they were so narrow and so steep. And so the rest of the time, it would be in shadow or it would be in darkness. And these valleys would be dangerous places because uh, they were valleys where thugs could block your entrance and your exit. And so you're stuck in the middle. It's, it's where you could be robbed or, or beaten up. It was a place where, to be honest, at times it would be so easy to get lost because of the way in which they would connect up with one another. It was also the possibility of of real danger because of flash flooding, with water pouring into those canyons. There was was danger of drowning too, being filled up without warning. And so we have this physical place, this physical valley that's written to symbolise a metaphorical valley that you and I will face in life. And just as those dangers uh, perhaps exist in the physical, they certainly exist in our experience. Have you ever felt trapped with no escape? There's no way out of a situation that you kind of feel you find yourself in. Ever felt lost and just not certain about what's the next place to turn? Have you ever felt like the floodwaters have entered and there's this sensation of knowing, uh, of wondering how long you can keep your head above water? Maybe that applies to your business or your finances. There's a song here about a person who's right in the middle of his story and finds himself in a valley. And the question is, is that people will often ask at those times is, where's God in the valley? You know, it can feel like he's hiding, that you only ever get a glimpse of him at midday. And the rest of the time, where is he? Where is he? And God could be easy to find when life is good. Those kind of mountaintop experiences, it's really easy to be able to celebrate God and just thank him. But it's often in those dark times, in the valley times, that God can almost seem as if he goes missing. About 2,900 years ago, there was a king of Israel, and his name is Ahab. I want to tell you a story today from the Bible that I don't think many of you will have heard before. Now, you see, this is a challenge, isn't it, hey? I'm saying, because most of, some of you are sitting, oh, I've read the Bible, I know all the stories. Uh, um, I didn't know this story. <laughs> uh, and, and reading it, it came alive to me. Because... King Ahab was uh, the king of Israel. And uh, there was the king of Syria, whose name is Ben-Hadad. And Ben-Hadad called together 32 other nations' armies to fight against the Israelites in order to take over the land. And so they, they all worked together and they faced the Israelites. And what was amazing is that God miraculously gave Israel a victory and, and soundly defeated uh, King ben, uh, Ben-Hadad and his 32 allies. 
And so the following year, they decide they're going to attack again because they are desperate to overcome the Israelites. But in reviewing the previous battle from uh, the year earlier, the Syrian Gentiles come up with a different plan. This is what they go to the king uh, Ben-Hadad to say. He says, meanwhile, the officers of the king of Assyria advised him, their gods, that's Israel's gods, are gods of the hills. Basically, every tribe had their own gods. And so Israel, in a sense, was no different. They also had a god that they followed. Their gods are gods of the hills. That's why they were too strong for us. But if we fight them on the plains or in the valleys, surely we will be stronger than they. And so they changed their battle plans in order to fight Israel where they were weak, which is in the valley. And there they would easily outnumber the Jewish uh, people. Um, Their gods uh, protect them in the hills, but we'll beat them in the valleys. That's what they thought. So they adjusted their plans. Uh, And it was just a joke when looking at the situation because there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of of, um, King uh, Ben-Hadad's armies. And then there was the little army of Israel. In fact, it was recorded this way. The Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks of goats while the Syrians covered the countryside. It was such an imbalance. 100,000 troops against 7,000 troops. It's going to be a slaughter. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because the defeat looked inevitable, but then God had something to say about it. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. Because the Syrians, this is God um, uh, speaking, because the Syrians think that the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. 7,000 beating 100,000. What a victory. Now, I've told you that story, because some of you won't have heard of it, but but it's because it, it builds on something which I think is really, really important for you and I as we go through life. That God is not just the God of our mountaintop experiences, that he's the God of our valleys too. He's not just the God of our mountaintop. When life is going well, that's not just when God is God. God is God when we go through the pits, when we go into the darkest and the lowest experiences in life. And the Bible talks lots about different valleys. It talks about a valley of trouble, a valley of weeping, the valley of the shadow of death. And they're all different kinds of metaphors of when life just overwhelms and it feels dark, and it feels hard. And what God is saying, because some of you, maybe some of you who are watching, maybe some of you here, you are in a really difficult stage of life at the moment. You're experiencing grief, you're experiencing loss, you're experiencing just tough times. And God wants to say to you today that he's not just the God of our mountaintop experiences, he's the God of our valleys too. And I will explain why in just a moment. That even when I walk through the darkest financial valley, I will not be afraid because you're close to me. Even when I walk through the darkest relational valley, 
I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Even when I walk through the darkest physical illness valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Even when I walk through the darkest, loneliest valley, I will not be afraid because you will be close beside me. Whatever kind of valley you're going through, you need to hear this message. Honestly, you do. And if you're not going through one, remember it because you will do. And whatever kind of valley you're going through, let's, let's just, the writer tells us a lot about um, valleys, but also our life experience tells us about valleys too. And it's this, valleys are inevitable. They are. It's a normal part of life and you and I cannot avoid them. They're going to happen. You can count on them. Valleys will happen in our experience. And you either have come out of a valley or in the middle of one or you're going to be heading into one because that's what life is all about. We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. The question isn't if we hit a valley. It's just when. And you're going to experience disappointments in life. You're going to experience defeat at times. You're going to experience distractions and disturbances and despair and depression. And that is just the normal part of life. Valleys are part of life. And actually, do you know what? What's, what I find hard at times, but it's this, that God's plan for your life actually contains both valleys and mountaintop experiences. They're part of his plan. When, when God spoke to Moses and to the people of Israel. They'd been in slavery for 400 years, and God rescued them, and they were making their way through the wilderness, and they were going towards what was known as the promised land. This was the land that God had set apart for them. It was the land flowing with milk and honey. And this is what God said about that land. It is a land of hills and valleys. It's there, it's there written out. That's how God described it. It's a land of hills and valleys. So what does that mean? Well. It means that you can even be in the center of where God wants you to be, being really close to God. You could be doing the right thing in the right place. And yet God's plan is still for you to experience valleys. You have problems in your life, not because you're a bad human. (laughs) You have problems in your life because you're human. Honestly, all of us, valleys are inevitable. But another thing which we all know is this, is that valleys are impartial. There's no way that that you and I can avoid them. You know, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. I kind of wish that was true, but it's not. Because bad things can happen to good people and great things can happen to bad people. Valleys, Valleys are impartial. This is what David writes in another psalm, another song. He says this, the good man doesn't escape all troubles. Uh, He has them too, but the Lord helps him in each one of them. A lot of people think if bad stuff happens to me, God's punishing me. Do you know what? I have heard that so often as I've sat down uh, and, and talked with people as they face really difficult times. That's not the case. Valleys, these difficult experiences that we face in life is just part of life. Valleys are inevitable, but they're also impartial. Valleys are also this. They are unpredictable. 
They are unpredictable. Part of what makes them a problem is that you can't predict them. You can't plan for them. Wouldn't it be great if we could say, now, I've caught up on my sleep, God. My health's good. Nobody's bugging me. Okay, so, so I'll take my problem now. Now, if we could plan it, that would be fine, wouldn't it? We're kind of organized for it. Let's sort ourselves out. We're in control of it. Unfortunately, that is just not the case. They're inevitable, they're impartial, but they're also incredibly unpredictable. You know how you could be really doing well at one point and then suddenly you get a text from someone? Or you get an email or you get a phone call and suddenly all the joy is just sapped out of you. Disaster comes quickly, tragedy hits quick. Accidents come quickly, and none of us knows when it's going to happen, which is why one of the wisest people who ever lived, a man called Solomon, would write these words, don't ever brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring forth. Problems are inevitable, they're impartial, they're unpredictable. So what do you do when you find yourself in the middle of the valley? Well, look at what the songwriter has to say about this. Psalm 23. There are two key words which I've highlighted there in the verse. The key words are through and you. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me. One of the easy things to forget when you and I go through a valley experience is that that a valley is something that you travel through You don't settle in. Do you know, I have the privilege of talking to people and talking with people as they go through some really difficult circumstances. And one of the things which I find myself being able to say every now and again is this, is that this experience will pass. Give it six months, give it a year, give it 10 years from now. And there will be a time when things are going to change that at the end of the valley is a pathway out. Notice the thing that the songwriter David focuses on. It's not on the valley. It's on the God who's with him that he relies on. He doesn't focus on where he is, but who he is with. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. How does the psalm start? How does this song start? It starts with this. He is my shepherd. He lets me rest. He leads me. He renews me. He guides me. He honors me. David, when he's writing this song, reminds himself of where God has taken him previously through the green meadows. And he reminds himself of where God is leading him in the future too, to live in the house of the Lord forever. And in the midst of it all, just how at the very middle of the day, the kind of the sun is revealed above, there is a God who walks with him through the valley experience. It's important two things to remember around this psalm. One is this, how we view God will determine how we respond to God. How we view God will determine how we respond to God. When you and I um, come to describe God, we often do so in very factual ways. So if I was to ask you, God is, how would you finish that sentence off? Well, some people say God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is ever-present. 
They're descriptions, and do you know what? They are descriptions because we come from a Western viewpoint. We like to have things factually. We like to understand how things work. So, so that's how we would describe God. The Bible was written not by Westerners, but by Easterners, and it was written for an Eastern um, uh, listeners uh, too. And so where we would give facts, they give pictures, which is why God has described by images in so many places in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd is a picture of what God is like, and that is so familiar to the writer. A shepherd loves the sheep. A shepherd guides sheep to their next feeding place, to their next drinking place. A shepherd protects sheep from wolves and wild animals. A shepherd fights for the sheep. A shepherd provides and protects the sheep because they're so valuable to him. A shepherd goes ahead and calls the sheep to follow. Now, that's the picture that David has in his mind. That's what God is like. So when you go through a really difficult time in life, how do you view God? Because how you view God will determine how you respond to God. See, I think so many people, when they hit the difficult times, they view God as distant, or they view God as uninterested, or not very powerful, or uncaring, because if he was caring, he would sort out our situation. So what often happens is that people will ignore God. People will be angry, or they'll walk away from him because of the tough time. Look, we have to learn from this song. And linger on those opening words, the Lord is my shepherd. Sometimes a shepherd will lead sheep through a darkest valley in order to get to the meadows and streams on the other side. And he goes ahead and he's with the sheep and he's protecting them all the way. How we view God will determine how we respond to God. So if we got view God wisely, if we learn from this psalm, if we learn that God, and we're going to sing it in a few moments, these words, that God is madly in love with you, that we are so valuable to him, there is something on the other side of the valley, and that he goes ahead of us, something that we can't see yet. Do you know, when Sarah um, died, that was a valley. That, for me, when my first wife died, that was such a tough time. And yet coming through that time into what has now been quite a few years of marriage to Sarah. She's not here, so I got away with it. <laughs> but there was something on the other side. When I was in debt, when Sarah and I, when we first got married and we got um, uh, quite heavily into debt, we were trapped. It was as if both sides, we, we didn't know what to do. And yet the other side of that, we discovered a generosity of people to help us out of that situation. And that it taught us how important it was to be generous from that time on. Helen and I were talking just before this service and uh, Helen said, what, what do you feel you've learned through those experiences? And we just talked together. Uh, and um, I love the person that I have become because of going through the valley. I've been able to identify with people in ways that I couldn't before that had happened. It gives hope to others that, that you can come through 
even a time of loss and grieving. It allows others to support. There are lessons learnt that I can now share with other people. God sometimes takes us through stuff because he wants to teach us stuff that will be so good for us and so good for others on the other side of the valley. He stops, there's, the other point is this, and I'll finish with this. God is closer than you think. God is closer than you think. I don't know if you've picked up the change that takes place in this song. That basically when David was writing it, he talks about God out there, that, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wait. He makes me. So he's talking about God. When it gets to the difficult point, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he? No, it's not anymore, it's you. For you're with me. Suddenly, instead of talking about God, he's actually starting to talk to God. From third person to first person. You are close beside me. You prepare a feast for me. Suddenly, God becomes close and personal. And he stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. Do you know what? That is one of the greatest lessons which I still have to learn. It's one of the hardest things that I've found when I've gone through the darkest valleys in my life. It's to talk to God. find it so hard. It's easy to talk about him, but tough to talk to him. You see, I get caught up in the fear, in the shadow of the valley of death. And shadows can seem so big at times, can't they? Much bigger than the actual event. And do you know what? The only way to get rid of a shadow is to turn around and look at the light. Because then the shadow's behind you and you can't see it. And at times, you and I, when we go through these difficult times, we just have to turn around and we have to look at the light. We have to look at God. We have to talk to him. And looking up and reaching out to God is the greatest thing that you and I can ever do. Inviting him to be our shepherd, an ever-present help in trouble, our refuge, our safe place. I'll tell you, it would be the greatest and most life-changing decision that you and I can ever make. And it will be the start of a journey that won't exclude valleys, but it will give you the comfort of knowing that the valley is temporary and that God is with you, leading you, protecting you, loving you all the way. Which is why just the verse right at the very end is so beautiful, because surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. You don't have to go through the valley alone. God says, I will be with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Can I ask that we stand together? I want to pray for us. If you just close your eyes, if you're um, uh, able to, and whereabouts are you at the moment? How is life with you? Are there places where it feels dark? Where it feels as if there's a shadow? Then God wants to remind you that he is your shepherd. And that he will lead you. Father God, thank you that... um, the experiences of life, you're able to take both good and bad and work them for good. (laughs) 
Lord, when we face those hard times, so often, God, you're wanting to do something in our lives or something through our lives that is transformational, that can only happen because of facing those difficulties. Help us, Lord, not to shy away from them. Help us not to blame you. Help us not to uh, think just that you're punishing us, but help us, Lord, to, to reach out to you, to turn away from the shadow, to look to the sun and to be led forward by you. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who's going through a nightmare at the moment, who's going through a valley, a deep valley. Lord, would you be their comfort and their strength? Would you help them to turn their eyes on you, to trust in you as their shepherd? And would you help them to know that surely goodness and your unending love will be with them all the days of their lives. Help us to know that those are temporary times, but we're to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. In your name. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.